Hello, welcome to some bonus content for Chapter 3 podcast patrons. This is an exclusive chat with indie fantasy romance author J.D. Evans. We just got finished recording episode two for season one, talking about fantasy romance, and Jen agreed to stay and talk with you guys a little bit more, get some special bonus content. All the goods. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for joining. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, Okay, so a few things. Number one, what is your best piece of advice for somebody wanting to become a writer? So um, read. Mm. Whatever it is that you think you want to write, you need to read extensively in that genre. Because not only will you pick up writing and plotting and character arcs and story arcs, you'll understand what readers want in a book, um, Mm -hmm. which is important. You can write your heart's book. You absolutely can. But there are rules about structure and craft. And if you don't hit those, people are not going to want to read your heart's book. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) Okay, so... This has been a very long debut year for you. Yes. Which is is wild how many books you have out, which we've talked about. (laughs) So how has that been? How did you approach putting out your first book as a self-published author? What were some of the things you were thinking about, steps that you took. I mentioned in the in the main episode that my sister was really the one that championed self-publishing. So I had a, a little bit of a cheat there because she had kind of walked the road before. But I wanted to self-publish. There's, there's some big benefits to it. You have complete creative control. You have mm-hmm. timeline control. You make a lot more money if you can sell your books. You know, the royalty share with traditional publishing can really take a bite out of what you're earning for your work. And and while being money motivated isn't necessarily the end-all be-all, it's something to think about, right? Mm-hmm. But the downside is you're also responsible for the marketing costs, the butt work, you know, looking yeah. looking up all the information. It's very self-publishing is like trying to drink from a fire hose. <laughs> It's you are, I mean, it's it's all you. You yes. are an all-in-one yes. publishing Yes, and there's company. a lot of ins and outs. You have to decide if you're going to deal with just Amazon, with all the publishers, with paperbacks, with ebooks, with hardbacks. You know, it's self-publishing is a completely different animal than traditional mm-hmm. publishing. It's absolutely, it's almost like a completely different career path. So you got to do your research and the place, the best place to do your research. I know some people aren't into it, but Facebook has all these groups on indie publishing, on cover designing on, and I did not design my covers. Don't do that. If you're artistically (laughs) gifted, that's great. But I think we've all seen those covers. Oh man. (laughs) Yeah. You have beautiful covers. Thank you. I, my, I had two amazing people that worked on them. I had an artist and a designer and um, yeah. So, but anyway, that's the kind of stuff you have to, I had to go talk to artists. I had to go Mm -hmm. talk to designers. I had to figure out a budget. So Mm -hmm. these are things that you have to think about when you decide traditional publishing versus self-publishing. And so when I went into it, I had been in these Facebook groups. I had done all the, you'll start getting like ads for these free classes on how to self-publish. There are courses (laughs) out there. There are books out there. 
research it, you have to mm-hmm. decide if it's something that you want to do first because it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. It's a full-time job. Yeah. And so you've decided you're going to do this. You've got this book coming out. What do you do? How do you approach marketing? We'll start there. So for my first book, I went into, I started looking up blogs and I was looking for people that had reviewed books that were similar to mine. Hmm. So I, you identify your, your comps, Grace Draven, mm-hmm. Emma Ham, and you, you kind of want to identify self-published comps because, again, oftentimes readers don't cross over. Mm-hmm. They often read traditionally or they often read self-published. And so that took hours <laughs> um, because, you know, you need to, if you're doing it right, you are making sure that the, the person that you're querying essentially yeah. is taking you know, requests, they're mm-hmm. interested in your genre mm-hmm. that, you know, whatever, most of them will post that information. So that was hours. And I like, I think I did like 200 blogs. Wow. And, um, yeah, it, it was a lot, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, but the interesting thing too, is many don't take indie authors. And I, I understand yeah. there are a lot of us and it can be hard to vet quality. So yeah. of those 200, I think I ended up with like 30 blogs plus, you know, you did your YouTube videos. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing you're going to do that. And then I did, I actually, there are PR firms mm-hmm. that, and you know that cause you worked with the one that I got. Yeah. That can be questionable depending on your genre. If you're in a really mainstream genre, like um, contemporary romance, they can be really lucrative. Mm-hmm. I didn't love my experience with that. Mm-hmm. It, But mine's pretty, not only is it, niche because it's indie fantasy romance it's niche because as we talked about in the main episode it's it kind of sits the middle between fantasy and a a fantasy romance so yeah um, which is probably why i'm like your perfect reader because i love fantasy and i love romance so (laughs) please put them together for me (laughs) exactly so um you have to you just you have to put together a marketing plan because you do not have the marketing team that Tor has, you know what I mean? (laughs) So you got to learn Instagram, you got to learn Twitter. Um, Eventually you are probably going to have to learn to advertise. And Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people get a little bit, we'll call it saddle sore about that because it feels like if you write a good book, you don't need to advertise. That was true. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. That in the indie world, it was true a few years ago when, Mm -hmm. when Kindle Unlimited first came out, and uh, um, if you don't know what Kindle Unlimited is, it's a subscription through Amazon. All the books you can read for nine ninety nine a month, but they are typically going to be your self-published books. Okay. So thing I've been curious about, because I don't yep. know this because I'm not an indie author. How does Kindle Unlimited work on the author side of things? Like how yeah. do you get paid from that? How does that? I'm yeah. So <laughs> basically they pay us. Um, per page read. Oh. And um, it's a big pool of money. So all those subscriptions go into a big pool of money. Mm-hmm. And then based on how many authors are in Kindle Unlimited mm-hmm. and the number of subscriptions, they determine a price per page. And it's it's hovering around 0. 0.0045. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um so I have a little graph that shows me like how many pages get read every day. Oh, wow. It's great for authors, like indie authors who 
people are not going to take a chance on. They're not going to spend five bucks on your book if they've never heard of you and you don't have a big marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. And so it's a good way to get discovered. It's not a fantastic way to make money. Mm -hmm. um, But the thing is, is that Amazon sells more books than anybody else. Mm -hmm. I, I want to be in bookstores and do the indie bookstore thing. It's pretty hard as an indie author to do that. Mm -hmm. And so Amazon gives you this Kindle Unlimited thing and you have to choose because if my book is in Kindle Unlimited, my ebook, mm-hmm. it cannot be anywhere else. Mm. It can only be on Amazon. So I can't sell it through Barnes & Noble. I can't sell it through Kobo. I can't do that. And mm-hmm. so authors fall into Kindle Unlimited authors or they call it going wide, which is where you sell it on all those other platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like Kobo, at least in Canada, instead of paying per page, they have a similar subscription program. They now pay per minute red. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, um, there was a problem early on where people were stuffing their books. I don't know if you ever ran into that, but like shady authors were putting a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Well, and like, I, I've seen things that are weird where there's like all this extra stuff at the end. Yes. They're book stuffing to get page reads. Oh my gosh. Because then when you skip to the end of the book, Kindle marks it as fully read. Fully read. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um. It's uh. It's a wild. It's kind of like the <laughs> wild west out there. Like Amazon is both kind of necessary and just awful to work with. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. They're you know they're not. They don't really care about authors. They're just making a lot of money off the books. And so you have to, that's another part of your job is you kind of have to look out for yourself that way. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Yeah. I'd always, I'd always been curious how that worked for authors. So yes. Thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) FYI to any listeners. Now, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) like if you want to support an author and not don't have time to finish a book you can just like flip through the pages and <laughs> yeah just pop to the end and yep there you go That's... oh god i'm gonna get in trouble <laughs> probably not that is I don't so think. wild okay it's crazy interesting. Yep. good to know thank you so then for somebody who doesn't have kindle unlimited but still buys your mm-hmm. ebook you would get yeah you get a royalty percentage amazon's really generous um so i get okay. if somebody buys my ebook, I get 70% of that. Um, yes. And at, that's far more generous than like the royalties that a traditional publisher pays. Mm-hmm. So that's great when people buy my ebook. And then the, the page reads, as I said, is just broken up by per page. So that's interesting. Yeah. So I guess the question would be then, does it make sense maybe for an author to start off on Kindle Unlimited to kind of build an audience and then switch out of that for later books? Or Yeah, many, many do. If you're just getting started and you're getting overwhelmed with the amount of decisions you have to make mm-hmm. as an indie author, going in Kindle Unlimited is a pretty safe bet, mm-hmm. particularly if you are in something like romance or urban fantasy or paranormal, you know, those big... Mm-hmm voracious um, (laughs) communities that just devour books. If you're really, really niche, Kindle Unlimited might be hard for you. Unfortunately, because I have researched my own (laughs) genre, it's different for everybody. And there's little communities on Facebook that are really devoted to their specific genres. And they talk about like what ads are working or Mm -hmm. what 
marketing is working, you know, where do you get your readers from? And um, they discuss that stuff and it changes and you kind of have to stay on top of it. If what you want to do is publish a book and then go on with your life, Mm -hmm. put it in Kindle Unlimited and, you know, go for it or not. You can, you can still put it up on Amazon and just sell it that way. And lots of people do, and they're happy with that. They just wanted to write the book. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. But it's a good place to start. I think some genres, and particularly depending on how your book is laid out, like mine look a little bit more traditionally published than some indie books do. So they would probably, and I do plan to, go wide later. So come out of KU and publish it wide to all the platforms. That works well if you have a book that looks traditionally published. If you have a book that's very much indie, and again, I said it earlier, they're different markets, indie readers and traditional readers, Um, then you'll struggle a little more to find your footing. Some people say it can take like a year and a half to find an audience wide. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's interesting. And, and when you sign up for Kindle Unlimited, is it like a contract for a certain length of time? It is. It's 90 days. So there's almost no reason not to try it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Might as well. Okay, cool. That's helpful. All right. So last question before I let you go, give our listeners something a little bit juicy. How (laughs) do you tackle writing steamy scenes in your books? Oh, yes. (laughs) It's funny. um, It is such an interesting subject because some people are like, I hate it. And Mm -hmm. some people are like, oh, whatever. I love it. It's my favorite part of writing. (laughs) Maybe that makes me a pervert. I don't know. (laughs) I like the the intimacy of it. I like Mm -hmm. the that feeling of, okay, it's all come to this. This is where we were heading. And I think the general advice out there is when you're writing a steamy scene, you don't want it to be an anatomy lesson. Right. So you want to focus on the emotions, um, the feelings evoked by actions, just as you would with any other scene. Mm-hmm. People just get a little bit, they get a little bit itchy when, <laughs> when you <laughs> include private parts in the um, in, in this scenario. But, you know, I like to really focus on how would you feel if this happened to you? How do you feel if somebody touches you this way? Or how would you feel if they didn't do something right or they did something exactly right? And I'm not necessarily just talking about the, the sexual part of it, but also mm-hmm. the emotional part of it. Because, you know, for women, that act is emotional. Mm-hmm. And so when they're reading it, they need that emotional payoff almost more than they need that physical payoff. Hmm. For me, I I write it once just kind of organically. I just kind of let it come out the way it's going to come out, whether it's awkward, whether it's, you know, great. And then you have to go back through and make sure that if you have an action, you have a reaction, you know. Hmm. I think the biggest thing with any scene, but particularly with, with sex scenes, is like if you're not interested in the sex scene that you're writing, if it's boring or it's, or you feel cringy, you probably need to rewrite it because that (laughs) it will make your readers feel the same way. And it's hard to, it's hard to learn that, especially the newer you are. If you are in a scene and you are tired or you are bored or you're not feeling it, you Mm -hmm. probably need to delete it. Mm. And it took me a long time to learn to delete. Mm Mm-hmm. And if it's really hard for you, I recommend you keep a cut-paste file, which you think you'll look at, but you never will. <laughs> um, 
ask any author. (laughs) (laughs) But I find that particularly with sex scenes, plotting is not going to help you. Mm -hmm. It needs to be pretty organic. Mm -hmm. So you just sit down and you write it when you're feeling it. And then that tends to work the best for me. Interesting. Yeah. Is, is it different? I, I wonder too, how much do the individual characters play into it? Because you've written multiple books now. Like, like how how does the experience of one character perhaps different differ from what that experience would be like with from another character, or depending on absolutely like the yeah. the relationship that they've developed? Yeah. So. Contrary to what you might think after you read my first book, I don't usually like to write virgins for a couple reasons. I like the idea of two people coming to a sexual encounter as equals, Mm -hmm. and I find that that makes it the easiest. So if you're writing your first sex scenes, Mm -hmm. I recommend they come equal. I honestly, maybe unless you have not experienced sex which will make it hard to write a sex scene um but you know if you can write wielding magic <laughs> then you can write you can. Sex scene. <laughs> i mean many fanfic writers started that way i'm sure so. exactly exactly so i recommend they be equal and i recommend they be experienced mm-hmm. because i just wrote so i told you i just finished this prequel mm-hmm. and that book is about my main character naimi it's her parents. Mm. The male character is a virgin. I've never done that before, and I will never do it again. I like a male virgin. I just maybe because it. <laughs> I can I can read it. I I I you like reading of... it. I yeah. It was what I struggled with uh-huh. was it felt a little um, adolescent, and uh-huh. you know I write people well into their twenties, yeah. so. There was kind of a, there was like a creepy feeling <laughs> as I was writing it, which I had, I had never experienced before. Interesting. Um, so yes, absolutely. The experience level of a character. I'm comfortable with people that have had at least a little bit of sex before, yeah. you know, <laughs> off yeah. page. And I wrote my female character as a virgin in the first book. And I was more comfortable with that because I have experienced that. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, like I can extrapolate. Right. I I know nothing about male virginity and, you know, like that was a hard one. So there some characters, the scenes will be really easy between Mm -hmm. them. You're just like, it's a dynamic you understand. It's a dynamic you're comfortable in. Mm -hmm. And some of them will be a struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, Like in my, in my third book, Siren and Scion, the woman was a departure from anything I'd written before. I wanted her to be very like sex positive and sensual and very experienced. And Mm -hmm. that, was also hard to write because that's not me. Not uh, not that I'm not sex positive, but like mm-hmm. I've always been pretty monogamous with my partners and mm-hmm. very, you know, very few relationships. And so she was just this kind of sexy character. And then when you get into a scene and she has to behave completely differently than you would, <laughs> you know, yeah. those are things that you have to think about when you choose, <laughs> when you choose to write a sex scene is right. whether you're writing you in a sex scene or whether you're writing your character. So it's just the same as anything else. Would your character actually do this? Yeah. You know, you don't want, you can do it with that grumpy hero that becomes all cinnamon rolly, but you don't want like a take charge woman to suddenly be like really submissive or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so just keep those things in mind. Yeah. No, that's good. That's super interesting. <laughs> and long winded as no. all my things are. <laughs> that's okay. No, it's good. This is good. Like 
juicy bonus content. <laughs> you got yeah. I mean, if it's bonus content, you yeah. gotta make it worth it. Yeah. I know, right? That's that's the idea. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for both of these. This was really interesting and fun. I had a great time chatting with you. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this as well. And go check out her books. I will have they'll all be linked down below in the show notes. They're great. And thanks for the tips if we have any burgeoning romance writers out there hopefully you got some useful information from yeah them. hopefully <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me bethany Absolutely. it was a lot of fun yeah. yeah thanks for joining us today and thanks for listening again check out her books down below and have a great day everybody bye